The title of our series is Under Pressure. Don't you think Jan handled pressure pretty well this morning? She handled that just fine, praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Um, that's where we're going to be looking today, 1 Samuel chapter 23. And we are continuing this series that we started last week entitled Under Pressure. And last week we, we talked about Elisha and his servant. And I don't know about you, but that story that we, that we looked at last week and kind of dove into always speaks to me and one of my favorites. And uh, we reminded last week that as pressure mounts, uh, we have to do a few things uh, just like Elisha did. First, don't be afraid. Remember who is with you. If you're glad that God is with you today, say amen. Remember who is with you and, and that God is, is, is big and more than able to, uh, to, to help us. And then, of course, uh, our eyes have to be open to what God is doing and what he can do. We have to trust in God under pressure, and that's what we talked about last week. And I trust that maybe this week that God helped you to, to put some of those things into practice. Today, I want us to uh, talk about the importance of hearing God of hearing God, of hearing his voice and listening to him uh, as we find ourselves under pressure. You know, not being able to hear who we need to hear can really be a big problem, can really be a big problem. Um, just ask quarterback Jared Goff. Um, here's Jared, in case you don't, aren't familiar with him. Jared Goff is the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. He led his team uh, to the play in the Super Bowl last year. Um, but you might remember the NFC Championship game, some of you football fans. Um, Jared Goff found himself, uh, found himself under a great deal of pressure. You can see some of the pressure here that was put on him by uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, defensive line. But that wasn't his only problem. That wasn't the only reason that he was under some pressure. You see, every quarterback in the NFL has a specially designed helmet. Did you know this? Has a specially designed helmet, and within that helmet is a headset where they can hear the voice of their coach. Did you know that? They can hear the voice of their coach for the first 25 seconds of every single play. In other words, every play, the coach can talk to the quarterback. He can tell him what he's seeing the defense do, he can tell him what, he want, what play he wants him to run next. Every quarterback can hear the voice of their coach for the first 25 seconds of the play. Now, here was the problem. Here's why Jared Goff was under so much pressure, because his headset wasn't working right for the first few plays of the game. In fact, here's a picture of him in that game, early in the game, where he's trying to, trying to hear uh, his coach's voice during the early portion of that. It didn't go so well for him. He couldn't hear. And the first uh, drive, I believe, entered in it. It ended in an interception. The second drive of the game ended in a punt. I mean, things were not going well for Jared under pressure because he couldn't hear the voice of his coach. So the team got to work. Um, they got to work, and, and, and it came up with a pretty primitive and yet very good idea that helped the situation. You see, what they did was, what they came up with was to use some good old-fashioned duct tape and cover up the ear holes in his helmet. Because you see, the Superdome is where they were playing, and the crowd noise was so loud that on top of the headset acting up that he couldn't hear because of the noise. So notice here, this picture was taken a little bit later in the game. The one on the right, you can see his ears. That was taken the first few plays. The one on the left, if you notice, it's all covered up. They covered up, and Jared Goff then was able to hear better and ended up leading his team to victory that day. Can I remind you this morning that it's important for us as well to hear the voice of our coach. There is one who desires to speak to us when we are under pressure too. God desires to speak to you. If you're thankful for that, say amen. And we need to hear and listen to the voice of God above the noise above the intense pressure that we find ourselves under at times. And, and, and it just comes with living our everyday life. Our example today is right here in 1 Samuel 23. Um, David. I want to remind you just briefly uh, who David is. I'm sure most of you know, but, but David starts his life out as a, as a shepherd boy, tending his father's sheep. And as he serves his dad in this way, you know the story, he faces, even at a young age, he faces some adversaries in the form of a lion and the bear that would come and try to, try to attack the sheep. And when this would happen, no doubt adrenaline would, would 
should flow through David's veins. I mean, let's face it, if a lion or a bear would come toward you, don't you think a little adrenaline might come, right? He felt the pressure of this as he would stand firm against these attacks. And, and as we find out later, God would help him to be able to overcome and, and successfully protect these sheep when he found himself under pressure. But that was just the beginning for David. As you know, as David, as David grew, so did his adversaries. And, and he found himself under pressure a little bit later as he would face the giant Goliath, the Philistine giant Goliath, and how God would work in that situation, how God would speak to David and help him to overcome and win the battle against Goliath when he, when he found himself under this immense pressure as well. So I share that with you just to make the point to you that all throughout David's life, he knew what it felt like to be under a great deal of pressure. But he also recognized how to hear the voice of the God he served. You see, David made it a continual habit in his life to seek out and listen to and obey the voice of the Lord. If you think that's a good habit to be in, say amen. I mean, David had kind of figured this out, that God would speak if he would listen. And as we pick up the story um, this morning, um, David uh, had become, uh, probably, not probably, David had become the most well-respected warrior of his day. Um, in fact, the Bible tells us that as David would come down the road in Israel, that people would chant something like this, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. In other words, they would celebrate as David, the warrior, would come through because of what he was able to do and how God had helped him. And so if you know the story, you know that because of this, and, and, and other reasons as well, because David's popularity had grown, that King Saul was very jealous of David. And he hated him, in fact. He hated David. And because of this hatred and jealousy of David, Saul made it, King Saul made it his number one priority to kill David. He wanted to see David dead, and, 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 and he wasn't afraid to, to share that. He wasn't afraid to talk about that. He wanted David eliminated. I mean, talk about being under pressure. The king of all Israel is out to kill you. Do you think that'd be a little pressure on your shoulders, right? So I want us to look and learn at how David responds. He'd been under pressure before, but this was intense. I want us to see how David responds under this heavy pressure and learn a couple of things from him as we look at it. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that David kept seeking God under pressure. When the pressure built and built and built, David continued to seek the Lord his God. As we catch up with David, he's on the run from Saul. I'm going to be reminding you of that because it's important for us to remember that as we read about how David responds in these different situations, that Saul is seeking to take his life. So he has that pressure on him automatically. And, and he gets this news on top of it. Verse 1, uh, 1 Samuel 23, when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kayla and are looting the threshing floors. So David finds out about what the Philistines are doing, and he hears that, that really his arch enemy had been the Philistines for some time. Uh, the Philistines hated David almost as much as Saul did. They did not like him at all. And, 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 um, and, and we know the reason, right? Because David had slain Goliath. And so they, they did not like him. They did not want David around. In fact, um, um, when he gets this news, David, he's already under this pressure from Saul. And now he gets this news that the Philistines are attacking the town of Calah. And, and he knows that Saul hates him. And he knows that, that, that the Philistines hate him. And yet, what does he do with this news he has received? So when he hears about what's happening at Kayla, let's see what he does. I, I think before we read what he does, I think in his mind, he probably thinks this. Saul's out to get me. Kayla's under attack. And God, you expect me to do something about this, right? I'm already under all this pressure, but notice what he does. It says, he inquires of the Lord. 
He doesn't try to make a decision. He doesn't try to come up with his own solution. He simply goes before God. He inquires of the Lord and says, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered him, Go attack the Philistines and save Kayla. I want you to see that under all of this pressure, David continues to seek God. Can I tell you, we need to learn a lesson from David this morning, that as the pressure builds and mounts and builds and mounts, there's one thing we have to continue to do, and that's stay in touch with the voice of God. We need to seek the Lord. David seeks God, and he hears his voice under pressure. We need to learn from this, and we need to do as they did for Jared. We need to tape up the the ear holes in our helmets because what happens so often is when we're finding ourselves under pressure is that the voices begin to get louder and louder and louder, right? The voices get louder. We can't be detoured from doing what God would have us to do, but the voices are going to clamor around us. Notice what happens with David. That's exactly what happens, right? It can happen very subtly. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, but David's men said to him, all right? So God says what? David seeks God. God says what? Go. I want you to go. I want you to attack them. And David's men reply back to him and say, here we are in Judah. We're afraid. How much more then if we go to Calah against the Philistine forces? What are they saying? David, we're here. Saul's after you, but really he's after us. Our lives already in danger, and you're wanting us to go there, right? The voices begin to clamor. The noise begins to build around David, just in the same way that when one pressure mounts on top of another and on top of another in our own lives, that voices begin to clamor around us. And when that happens, the question is, what will we do So here's David. Saul's chasing him. The Philistines are attacking at Caleb. God says go. The the men around David, the mighty men, the men that David trusted more than anyone else on the face of this earth are saying, David, what in the world are you doing? So what does David do? Notice with me again verse 4. Once again, David inquired of the Lord. David loved these guys. Can I remind you? David trusted these guys around him with his life. These guys were special to David, but David can't listen to them in this instance. He has to seek and listen to the voice of one. David inquires of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, verse 4, Go down to Kayla, for I am going to give you the Philistines into your hand. So David goes back, he seeks the Lord again, and even under this pressure, right, from Saul and pressure to go to Kayla and pressure from the men, under all this pressure, David inquires of God, and God says, David, listen, I want you to go, and I'm going to give you victory. David wants to know and do the will of God above anything else. He seeks the Lord. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to know and do the will of God. How about you? I want to know and do the will of God above all things, even when the pressures mount. And can I tell you that probably the hardest time for us, if we're honest, to seek God and seek Him more and seek Him more and want His will more and want His will more is when the pressures mount and mount and mount and mount. I don't know, I think a lot of times I look back and think about different times of my life and I've not always got it right. How about you? (laughs) I've not always got it right. But I was thinking back this week um, about wanting to do the right thing in the midst of a lot of pressure and um, I share with you from time to time and and probably too much maybe at times about the year that our house burned down and that was just a, that was a heavy high pressure year for us. And I remember that the weekend that that happened, um, I had to make a decision. Our house had burned on Friday. Um, Sunday was coming. Um, there was a lot that had been a lot of pressure. That wasn't just the house, but there was just a lot of pressure that year. Um, prior to that happening, we had 
I, I was in school working on my master's degree, so I had school pressure. I was, uh, we'd started some new ministries through the church, and I was really active in a lot of these new ministries and trying to help get them off the ground. And so I had a lot of that going on. I had some physical problems that year, the normal family stresses that come, right? And it was just one pressure on top of another on top of another. And after our house burnt, I remember that some people who loved me a great deal. In fact, um, I had other pastors, our district leader at the time, just some different people who talked to me that weekend and said, listen, Brian, you just need to step back now and just, just take the next whatever you need, few weeks, couple of months, whatever. Just take that time off, step away, and just take care of what you need to take care of. Pretty sound advice, would you agree? Right? I mean, wouldn't you want somebody to speak that to you during that time? Like, like I was going, this sounds really good. And I remember that weekend um, listening and hearing all of that and thinking about how good it sounded and then thinking about the fact, you know, what I really need to do is seek out what God wants in this moment. And, um, and I think it can be different in every moment. So listen to what I'm saying this morning. There was nothing wrong with what the guys were telling me any more than there was nothing wrong with what the guys were telling David, right? Hey, David, listen, we're already under a lot of pressure. Why don't we just stay hidden? I mean, it made a lot of sense. And in fact, and in fact at times, that was probably the right answer. But can I just remind you today that we need to find out God's right answer for us right now. There's always a lot of things we can do. So God, what is the right thing today? And as I prayed that prayer over the course of those next 24 hours, I heard God speak to me very clearly and say, Brian, I need you to stand before your people this week and I need you to let them know that I'm good and that I'm trustworthy and that I'm faithful and that I can help you even when, and I'll put it like this because of what we're talking about today, even when the pressures mount, even when the seasons are hard and difficult, I need you to speak the truth to your people today and this week and next week and next month. And across those next few months, it wasn't easy. It was hard a lot of days. But can I just tell you, God sustained and he helped and he provided under a great deal of pressure. I don't always get it right. But I feel like with God's help, he helped me through that season. And if we'll seek him and trust him and listen to him, then he'll help us. You see, what can happen to us and there's times, don't get me wrong this morning, there's times when we need to take breaks and there's times we need to step away. But if we're not careful, pressure can put us on the sidelines. Intense pressure, heavy pressure can put us on the sidelines and keep us on the sidelines. Can give us all kinds of legitimate excuses to not keep serving and not keep sharing and not keep setting the example for those around us. And we can make excuses, and they're justifiable. A lot of times, it seems anyway, because of the intense pressure, just like David, that we find ourselves under. Pressure can cause us to say no and to stop inquiring, to stop seeking God. But we can't give in to those pressures. We have to keep seeking the Lord. And I want you to hear me very clearly today. Every circumstance that you face, we need to be seeking God. With every new, pe with every new pressure that sometimes mounts, and, and boy, don't we all know that those can stack up, right? We need to seek God and seek God again and again and again. Why? Because God will be faithful to speak to you if you will keep inquiring of him. He wants to speak and guide you and direct you in those moments of intense pressure. David kept seeking God. He heard the voice. He heard the voices around him, but he kept going back to God and saying, God, what would you have me to do over and over and over again? And we need to do the same. So keep seeking God under pressure. But I want you to see this morning that David also kept obeying God under pressure. Verse 5, here's what it says. So David and his men went to Calah and fought the Philistines and carried off their livestock. And he inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Calah. Because David obeyed, the people of Calah were saved, right? Because David obeyed. And, and, and he did what God had asked him to do. Even though he was under all of this pressure, God still provided. Can I just remind you today that when we obey that God provides 
When we obey, God is faithful to do what he promises that he will do. And often we can't see it, but the salvation of others hangs in the balance, right? Had David not gone, had his men not gone and, 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 and been there to rescue Kayla and, and see them saved from the Philistines, things would have been quite different that day, don't you believe? And yet it's because David listened and obeyed that Kayla was saved. Think about it this morning. When we continue to obey God under intense pressure, when we continue to do what God asks us to do day after day after day, we keep seeking him and then are willing to obey him, the lives of those around us are changed because of your consistency and your faithfulness to God. Your coworkers, your family, right? They're watching you. I remember just thinking about that, and God reminded me of that through all that we went through that year especially, that my kids were watching and listening to every move I was making and every decision I was making, right? I wanted them to see God is faithful through the hard stuff. God is faithful under pressure. David obeys, and and God brings the victory to all. And not only did David have a story to tell, but the people of Kayla had a story to tell because David Obeyed. Well, if you know the story, you know that not long after David's victory, Saul finds out that David's at Calah, right? So they had a, they had a great victory there, but the, the, the peace and calm didn't last long. Saul finds out David's at Calah, and so Saul called all his forces to head down there. All right, here comes the pressure again. And David calls out to God again, and God says, listen, David, you need to get out of Kayla. If you read through that, that rest of that chapter, that's what you find. God says, get out of there. And so David and his men begin to leave, and God delivers them again from Saul's pursuit. And in fact, David, he keeps just asking God to guide him, and God guides and directs him and keeps him a few steps ahead of Saul all the time. Even when the pressure was mounting, even when Saul was closing in, David kept seeking, and David kept obeying the voice of the Lord. Even when, and this is what I want you to see this morning, it's so important, even when David had an opportunity to create his own way out from the pressure that he was under. You ever have a way to create your own way out from the pressure that you're under? If you do, say amen. Don't we? Are we seeking God? David finds himself with his own way out. Verse, if you jump down a, a few verses in chapter 24, you might remember this setting, and I'm going to try to paint it for you, but you might remember. Um, David had left Kayla on his run from Saul. Eventually, David went to hide in a place called En Gedi. David goes to hide in this place called En Gedi. En Gedi is a very dry, desert-like environment with mountains and caves. It's not far from the Dead Sea. I've got some pictures just to give you an idea. So um, I think uh, Travis and some others maybe just had made a trip to uh, Israel as well. This is from a few years ago, but this is actually in Gedi. I got to visit there while we were there. So I want you to see kind of what the terrain was like, and you see a cave there. In fact, um, I remember as we were standing there, there were multiple small caves like all around um, in Gedi. Um, is there a picture of the, of the Dead Sea there as well? You can kind of see. So this is looking back the other way. That's the Dead Sea. This is where David, if you go back to that picture of the cave, this is where David was, um, was hiding. He was hiding here trying to stay away from Saul, right? And so David's here hiding in, in one of these caves, and Saul and his men draw near not knowing that David is hiding there. They know he's out there somewhere. They don't know exactly where he's hiding. And so and this is just the scripture. I'm just telling you the story this morning. Saul has to go to the bathroom. And so he makes his way to one of these caves, and it happens to be the very cave that David and his men are hiding in, way in the back, all right? And Saul makes his way in there and has no idea idea, right, has no idea that David and his men are in this cave. Listen to what happens as we pick up here in chapter 24, verse 4. Here's what happens. Remember, what the, remember the scene. David's there, and the men, his men, these men that love David, these men that care about him and want the, want the best for him, right? Here's what they say. The men with David said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. 
Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With those words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. We've seen We've seen time after time David finds himself in these situations where the pressure that he's under is so intense and he seeks God and he obeys him. And this time, everything seems so right. You ever been in a situation like that? I mean, like you've been praying about something and you've been under pressure and, and, and it just all of a sudden, everything seems so very right. Finally, Saul is going to be delivered. Into, finally, all of this chasing me and all the pressure. I mean, that'd be what David was thinking, right? Finally, it's all going to come to an end. This has to be God's will. And his men even tell him it is, Right? Notice verse 4. Now, this is from New Living Translation. Now is your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. I mean, David's men put words in the mouth of God, right? They put words in the mouth of God. They say, This has to be of God. Now's your chance. Kill Saul, David, and you're going to be king finally, and we can be at peace, and all of this mess will be over. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Right? I mean, it sounds really good. David had a choice to make. Am I going to listen to the guys in my huddle? I'm using some football analogies, right, today? Am I going to listen to the guys in my huddle? We're huddling up. Am I going to listen to them and their voices? Or am I going to put tape over the old, old uh, ear holes, I'll get it in a minute, ear holes of my helmet? Am I going to tape them up and listen to the voice of one? Listen to the voice of God. What do you do? No, really, like, what do you do? Who are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening for? Even when everything finally seems right, who are you seeking and listening to and desiring to obey? I don't mean to bring confusion into your life today at all. I'm hoping it brings some clarity, but let me ask you this question, or let me maybe make this statement just remind you that we can have everything right, so it seems, and still be wrong. David had every right, right? Saul was chasing, Saul was out to murder him. If anybody had a right, David had a right. But it didn't make it right. In fact, we can be right in the argument. We can be right in the relationship. We can be right by our co-workers' views. We can be right by the views of the world. We can be right and justify our motives and our actions and our attitudes and our reactions and have a crowd of people on our side to defend us and still be wrong. Are we right in God's eyes Are we hearing the voice of the Lord? Are we desiring more than anything else to say, God, what would you have me to do today in this situation? Is God confirming our direction? I want to remind you today that if God says no, it's no. If God checks our spirit, we better stop. If God speaks and directs, it trumps what our friends say every time. What our feelings say every time. We have to hear and obey the voice of God under pressure. I believe that David made a practice his entire life, his whole life, he made a practice of listening for and to the voice of God. I love a quote in one of Mark Batterson's books. He says this, Listening doesn't happen by default. It happens by design. 
It doesn't happen by default, it happens by design. You see, David had structured his life in such a way that the voice he wanted to listen to more than any other was the voice of God. He designed it that way. I love how the message puts this in 1 Samuel chapter, four, chapter 24, the latter part of verse 4. Quiet as a cat, David crept up and cut off a piece of Saul's robe, and immediately he felt guilty. As soon as he did it, immediately something checked his heart. You see, as, Saul was, as David was making his way to Saul, his ears were open to the voice of God. His heart was open to God, please speak to me and help me to do the right thing here. And as soon as he cut the robe, immediately he knew that he wasn't doing the right thing. David was listening to God all the way. He wanted God's will, not his own. And verse 5 says, Afterward David was conscious, stricken for having cut off the corner of the road. And he, and he said to his men, The Lord forbid, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my, to, thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. No matter how right it seemed, he didn't allow it. Chuck Swindoll in his book, he has a book that's written about the life of David. And this is just a short piece of a, of a paragraph. It says, he writes, David cut off a part of the king's garment. And now he began to experience justified guilt. He says, you see, when we really want to walk with God, we desire to come to terms with every single detail you get bothered by the little things, he says. Your conscience bothers you when you snap back, even when it's just a one-sentence statement. You have to make it right. You can't let yourself get away with it. It's when we get away with it and tell ourselves, this doesn't matter, that we're on our way to sliding in neck deep. David said, that wasn't right. Hey, I can't do that. It really bothered him. In other words, David was so sensitive and desired to do what God would have him to do so very much that the moment he got out of bounds, even the slightest amount, he was open to the Holy Spirit checking him, stopping him. He wanted to obey the voice of one, period. Who are you listening to this morning? Who are you seeking? Where do you look for direction every day? When you're un, under great pressure and, and the temptation is to do whatever it takes to get out from under the pressure, do you seek God most of all or you desire to get out from under even more? I'm telling you, when we're under pressure, one of the hardest things to do is stay right there and obey God. I remember really early in my ministry, I was pastor in a really small church. It was my very first assignment. I was working full-time in a factory about 60 hours a week, and I had just started going to school to try to complete some education for ministry, and the kids were young, and I was trying to work, do some, uh, many of you know I work on used to work on vehicles, and so I had a little shop at my dad's, and I was working there as many hours as I could just to try to make everything meet and come together, and you'd be talking about just a full schedule, and under pressure, and this had gone on for like a couple of, about a year and a half or so at this level, just trying to get everything done. And as I look back on that part of my life, it's just a blur, as you can imagine. And I remember more than once thinking, boy, if I could just, if I could just like be full-time in ministry, if I could just be full-time in ministry and, and be released from, from my secular employment and just focus on pastoring the church, I mean, I mean things would have to be so much better. And that's just all I started thinking about all the time. If I can just get to that point, if I can just get to that point. And then one day my phone rang. And it was a call from another pastor. And this pastor was getting ready to retire, and he was pastoring a church that was considered, if you will, a full-time church. In other words, it could support a pastor and a, and a salary, and he could be there and put all of his time in there. And he said, Brian, I've been watching you and your ministry, and I'm getting ready to retire here in a, in a few months, and I think you'd be a perfect fit for our church, and, and, and I would just love it if you would consider coming here and just helping this transition and, and being the pastor of this church. Well, I'm telling you, it, I mean, isn't that a great answer? I mean, 
How do you look at that? Oh, God, you've answered my prayer, right? I mean, this is perfect. Like, this is just what I've been wanting. This has to be right. Now, you fill in your own story, but I guarantee you, you've been there before in some way, shape, or form, right? This has to be right. Oh, God, thank you so much. I couldn't wait to tell Michelle, you've got to listen to what just happened. I got this phone call. I mean, has God answered my prayer? Oh, wouldn't this be great? And so I start thinking about this. I mean, just thinking about it and thinking about it and praying about it, hoping for it. And then I really started praying about it. You know, because we say that, right? Oh, I'm praying about it. But here's how I'm praying. Okay, God, you've given me my answer. Thank you. <laughs> Instead of, oh God, is this what you really, really want for me? And I remember after the initial excitement began to wane a little bit, going before God and saying, okay God, like I want to be out from under the pressure I'm under more than anything in this world, but is this what you really, really want? And I was in a service, I'll, I'll never forget it because it was that clear to me, I was in a we had indoor camp back then. All the, the churches on the zone that we were on would come together and we'd have services for a few nights together and it was at one of those services and I was there and the worship was over and I can't tell you who was preaching or what he was preaching about, but I can tell you this, God spoke to me that night and he simply said, you're right where I want you. You're right where I want you. And I remember hearing him speak that so very clearly and I shed a lot of tears that night. And they, all, they weren't all, oh, thank you, Lord, tears. Some of them were, that's not what I want to hear, tears. But by the end of that night, it was, thank you, Lord. Because, see, what I didn't know is that God had a plan that was much bigger than that moment. And a year from then, he had an open door that was the right one. And he had a plan to take some of that pressure off, which was a perfect one. But I had to wait upon him. I had to listen to his voice and desire to hear it and obey under pressure and do what was hard, even though it wasn't easy. It's exactly where David is. If you fast forward and read on about David's life, here's what you find out. Eventually, David becomes king. Eventually, God takes care of Saul God's own way. And the, the blood of Saul is not on David's hands. And David can take the throne. And David can be a man after God's own heart because, God, because David waited upon God. You see, if we're not careful in our lives today, we can become master manipulators. We can almost always see what we want the outcome to be. And so we plan and we talk and we use our personality and our position and our influence and our money and whatever it takes to try to begin to work things out so we can have what we just know is the right thing. And we hurry things along and we, and we try to change circumstances. Moving toward what we hope is the best thing for us. And what we need to do is Lay all that aside and seek the, seek the truth from God and his direction for our lives. We can even do what David's men did and say, this is what the Lord is telling me. Heaven, help us. Help us to be careful with that phrase. Help us to be cautious about saying, I believe this is God's will, unless we've prayed and we know for certain that this is what God wants. Because very easily we can a lot of times take our will and say, the Lord's telling me to do this. Is he? Are we seeking? Are we inquiring of God? Are we praying through? Do we know that's what God wants? David had the resources and the backing and the people all around him to take the throne that day. But instead of listening to all of the noise, he listens to the still, small voice of God. And can I tell you today, that still, small voice of God is still speaking today. And he wants to speak to you. And he wants to speak into your life. My question for you is, can you hear his voice this morning? 
Is God able to very gently and very quietly check you in your spirit? And you know that it's God speaking. Think about this. David was in this cave making his way up, cuts the edge of Saul's garment, and he is close enough to God to hear his voice speak and to know in that moment this is not right. Are you living close enough to God to hear his voice check you in your spirit? As you go throughout your day, as you find yourself in conversations, as you, as you interact with your family and your friends and your coworkers and all of the things that go on, are you walking close enough to God to hear the still, small voice of him direct you and move you and check you? In his book, Whisper, uh, Mark Batterson, he shares a story about how in 1853, English artist William Hunt painted a portrait of Jesus standing and knocking at the door. You've probably seen the version, uh, the other one, Leslie, you've probably seen this version before. It's a pretty common picture that, that probably you've seen. This one was actually painted in the, in the early 1940s by another painter. Um, it was kind of an updated version of the original. Um, but I'm not sure you've seen the other one before. This is actually the original one. Go ahead to that one, Leslie. This is actually the original painting uh, that was done um, by William Hunt. The painting is called The Light of the World, and it's a visual representation, many of you probably know, of Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and they with me. Fifty years later, after painting this portrait, Hunt said it was more than a painting. He said it was a prompting. He said he felt as if God commanded him to paint this beautiful portrait if you know anything about the picture at all, this one or even the updated one, there's one interesting feature about the painting. Um, intentionally, there's no door handle on the outside of the door. It was intentionally left off. And the reason for that was because the door of the heart is to be opened only from the inside. In other words, Jesus will never force his way in, right? It's always our decision to open the door and allow Jesus to come in and have relationship with us. Jesus enters by invitation only. And can I remind you this morning that it's not just true for Jesus, but it's true for the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit comes and speaks by invitation only. You may have noticed in our scripture today, but God spoke to David because David inquired of him. He opened his heart and wanted more than anything else for God to speak into his life and into his situation. And because of this, he was able to hear God's voice even under the most immense pressure that probably any of us will ever face in our life. I don't know where you are this morning, but I do know this, that no matter where you are, you're like me. You need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You need to hear the voice of truth. You need to tape up the ear hole, so to speak, and, and, and block out all of the other noise, all of the other conversations that are clamoring for your attention. And you need to listen for the voice of one. Pastor Travis is gonna come this morning. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would. And As I was thinking this week about this idea that we have to invite him in. There's an old chorus, been around a really long time, that came to my mind. And since we've already done it once today, what if we would make this chorus our prayer? Here's the words, it says, come Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and thy power, but listen to this, come in thy own gentle way. The gentle voice of the Holy Spirit is what we need in our hearts and in our lives and we need in our mind and we need speaking into our helmet, so to speak, and God, help me to know what you desire in my life more than anything else. And let me tell you something this morning, if it's been a while since you've heard his voice, this is the perfect place this morning to come and to begin to seek him again and say, God, would you speak? Would you whisper into my ear? Would you help me to know your desires for me 
today. Father, we're so thankful this morning that you're still speaking. We're thankful this morning to know that you still desire to work in our lives. So this morning as we pray this prayer, God, would you give us ears that hear today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. In your name we pray. Heads are bowed. Would you come this morning? Would you respond to the voice of the Spirit calling you today? Come, Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Come in Thy strength and Thy power. Come in Thy own gentle Come, Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in Thy strength and Thy power. Come in Thy own this is our prayer this morning Lord your spirit would just come and speak to us Lord for some of us the pressure is great even now Lord the things have stacked up so tall and the burden is so heavy the temptation to find our own way out from under it is immense but Lord, I pray in this moment that you would take the burden, that you would take the pressure, that you'd whisper in our ear, I love you. I have a plan for you. I care about you. I'm with you. I've never left you. And even in the times that are so heavy that God, you would just wrap your arms of love around us and help us to know today that we're not alone. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts in these moments as we just pause. And that, Lord, you give us ears that hear today. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Just remain with your heads bowed, maybe an attitude of prayer. And just listen as we pray with these that have come this morning.
Would you please stand with me for the benediction? Today for our benediction, we're just going to use some simple words that Jesus would say at the end of the times that he taught. It just goes like this. He who has ears, let him hear. God bless you. You're dismissed.